welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lewis, and excited to be talking with you again today. And today, we got another great dad that's going to be joining us. Colin Gray is joining us. I'm going to say he's joining us from the future because he's he's about 18 hours ahead of where I'm I'm at, but he is in Australia and it's great to be able to get connected back with him talking about fatherhood. As you know, we are all about bringing you guests that are going to make you think about fatherhood in a little bit different way as well as helping you to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong independent women and we're going to be talking about that today too. Colin, thanks so much for being here today. No, thanks for having me on again, Chris. It's uh, great to speak to you. So Colin just said, have you on again? I used to be a host of a show called The Dad Spotlight, and Colin was a, was a great guest on that show. And it's been a while since Colin and I got to break bread in person in Chicago at a podcasting conference, but we had a great opportunity to meet in person, and, and it's been fun staying connected along the years. So now, Colin, I always start the show with some questions that are going to kind of delve into you as a dad. Mm-hmm. So the first and foremost thing, I know you've got two kids, yes. ages six and nine, and we're going to turn the clock back in time to that first moment, that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. And I know that your daughter came second, yeah. so you had your son first. So talk to me about that experience and what, what <laughs> was going through your head when you <laughs> found out that. I'm not sure if I'm unusual in this, but uh, I was definitely more scared. <laughs> There's something about having us. I mean, you're obviously terrified the first time you have a kid. Like, it's just, a, it's a baby. You don't know how you look after these. Nobody teaches you how to look after them. It's weird. They just let you go home with this child and expect you to be responsible. <laughs> so it's terrifying anyway. But for some reason, it feels more doable with a boy, as a boy, because you kind of know how boys work, I suppose. <laughs> but then as soon as you think, oh, no, a daughter... I mean, it's wonderful in so many ways, but then you start to think, oh, I don't really know how girls work. Even after 40 years, I, I still don't really know how girls work, even having spent quite, quite a lot of time with them in, over those years. So, yeah, there's definitely an extra anxiety there and thinking forward as well to sort of dealing with girls growing up and, and all that. And obviously it's been wonderful, but yeah, there's still some of that anxiety thinking towards what a teenage girl is going to be like to live with. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think... Every father of daughters goes through that. And, you know, I've had these conversations with dads, with sons, in the fact that I always kind of question myself, and maybe you can answer this for me, is the fact that I think that with a son, like you said, because we have that lived experience, that in our minds, at least, you would probably feel more like you can do this, that you know what to do, or that you should know what to do, at least. (laughs) Whereas with a daughter... All, all bets are off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's definitely an element of that. And and just the whole, it, there's also the fact that, so, so we don't know as much about how girls think and grow up and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to have to learn that thing. But then we also know from the male point of view, what guys are like, like a, what a teenage boy is like with teenage girls. You know that from experience as well. And that's a, that's a whole different level of anxiety as well. So <laughs> there's, there's two parts at play there, I think. With your kids, with your daughter, you've definitely had some really unique experiences. And when you have multiple kids, you definitely are 
having to have those special moments just with each child to be able to build those bonds. What would you say has been your most memorable experience that you've been able to share thus far with your daughter? There's a couple of things, I suppose. On one end of the scale, we I mentioned to you before, we recently moved across the world um, to Australia. So we're living in Australia right now um, from Scotland originally, and we're moving back there too. So it's just a temporary move. But it was all planned before the current world situation, obviously before the pandemic. So it was it was meant to be a fun adventure and everything. Um, but it ended up we had to move during all of that. And it was just kind of a whole crazy time where when we were trying to get over here, we ended up... Um, we ended up packing up our whole house and leaving the house and handing it over to the next people, selling our car, basically selling up everything and then getting a taxi to the airport to get our flight. And the flight was cancelled because so many flights were being cancelled at that point. So we ended up standing at the airport without a clue what to do, like no house, no car. <laughs> we don't even live that close to family. So some of our family are right up north in Scotland. Some of them are right down south in England. So it's not like we have a kind of easy exit there. So doing that with our children, um, and particularly my do- like my son's nine, so you can kind of talk to him quite rationally. But my daughter being six, she's getting there. She can de- you can definitely explain things to her much more easily. But she's definitely more fragile potentially in situations like that. But do you know what? It was me and my wife who were having the panic and the the kind of anxiety about it. And and Daphne, our daughter, was just. She was just amazing, actually. She was just so excited about it all. And she was just so happy to be there with me and my wife that she ended up calming us down, actually. <laughs> she was just talking us to and going, oh, OK, so what do we do then? And what do we do instead then? And and I just said, well, um, OK. And because she was so calm and just asked me that question, it kind of calmed me down and thought, all right, well, what is the next thing to do? And then I told her, well, maybe we could just hire a car. And she said, oh, great. That would be great. Let's Can we go and see Granny? And the car. And I was like, actually, yeah, OK, it's a long way, but that's probably the best step. So, yeah, OK, let's do that. <laughs> so on the kind of the grand end of the scale, yeah, there's like those big things that we've just kind of it's hard to almost keep up with the changes in your children. But that just kind of brought home to me how much of a real person she'd turned into and going through that experience all together and eventually getting there and all the other things we had to deal with to get here as well was just we spent three weeks ish just in each other's pockets, not out of each other's company at all for more than a few minutes. And it was crazy and it was frustrating in some ways, but it was wonderful in others. So certainly that's one that springs to mind most recently. You know, it's really amazing the the sense of wonder and living through your children's eyes as they are at those formative years and as they get older and seeing the world through their eyes in that way. um, You know, you saying that just uh, brings that home, that... (laughs) That your daughter saw it as an adventure. Yeah. And even though you and your wife were freaking out <laughs> and panicking, <laughs> she was seeing it as an adventure yeah. and brought that sense of wonder into it, which yeah. was, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. And brought that back cool. to us, brought, totally brought that back to us. And the t- it was the trust almost that she put in us. She was like, oh, so it's gone wrong. It's not going the way we planned, but you know, we'll figure it out. My mum and dad will figure it out, I'm sure. <laughs> so it'll be all good. It'll be fine. And that, that kind of trust, that confidence, I suppose, leaks back into us. It's, it's great. So I, I've got to ask the question then. So you moved in the middle of a pandemic, which you didn't realize at the time yes, that indeed. you were doing that. And <laughs> the start of it, as you just heard this story, did not go the way that they had planned. So talk to me about this experience, because just as a father trying to bring your family across the world, Mm. which you ended up doing, Mm -hmm. 
in a non-pandemic world would be stressful enough. Yes. <laughs> but to move in the middle of a pandemic or even at the beginning of a pandemic and then moving yeah. into a situation where, I mean, just like many countries, I'm sure Australia shut down. Yeah. And you had to deal with that, not knowing people, not knowing the country yeah. and having to transition into a whole new culture yeah. during all of this. Yes. Talk to me about that experience and how did you manage that with your kids and help them to make that transition? Yeah. One of the biggest parts of it actually was the fact that we managed to get a flight. So the short story after that was we drove down to England and stayed with my family for a few days. So it was actually really nice because we ended up getting to spend time with my family Daphne and Alistair both got to spend time with their grandparents and see them before we went, which we wouldn't have done otherwise because of the, the pandemic. We hadn't seen them all for quite a while, but we got to do that because of that change. And then we went through Singapore, ended up in Australia. And the big thing at that point, the, the sort of biggest thing that we had to deal with and that the kids helped us deal with again was we had to do two weeks quarantine in a hotel. So we had to stay in a hotel room with the kids, all four of us, nothing to do for two whole weeks. And that was actually, I, it was really playing on my mind. Like I knew that was going to happen. That was part of the deal. Like you can't get into Australia right now without doing that. And that was, I mean, can you, can you imagine, Chris? Like, can you imagine, being, especially thinking back to your, your daughters being kind of younger as well? Like, what would you do for two weeks? <laughs> what would you, what would you be your initial plan? <laughs> Coming up with some fun games, I spy out the window. Hopefully you have some coloring books or something. You'd probably find some interesting television shows or yeah. hopefully you maybe have some card games or something with you. <laughs> yeah, we brought a lot of stuff like that. We ended up, do you know, that, that was another thing that the kids helped us with and particularly Daphne because Daphne, my daughter, is she's a real planner. Our son's really easily going. He just kind of goes along with whatever. And if he has some free time, he'll often come and say, like, I'm bored. What do I do? What do I do? But my daughter, see if she has some free time, she's like, she just goes, oh, right. Okay. Wanders off to her room and starts doing things. Like she has a list of things that she does. She starts building things, organizing her toys, all this kind of stuff, playing around. It's like she has no problem deciding what to do. So during these two weeks, we ended up, she helped us she created a structure for our day. So our six-year-old ended up basically ordering us around for the day. But it was wonderful because <laughs> because Kate and I were, were entirely bored and not having a clue what to do. And we, we had some ideas of what we should do, the games and stuff like that. But it ended up, we followed quite a strict structure for a couple of weeks. So we had half eight to half nine breakfast would be delivered. We'd have that. Then at half nine, we'd do some exercise. So we had some workouts and the kids helped us choose them. So we would like do some dancing or some aerobics or something else. We'd find something on YouTube that we'd do for half an hour. And then we'd have the structure, like every hour we'd have something to do through the day. And Daphne was really the one that spearheaded that. <laughs> so she's just that kind of, um, that kind of six-year-old. She loved organizing us and having that power as well which was really cool so that was a really interesting time actually i saw so much of her personality come out during that week those two weeks because we spent so much time with her and and because we were not going off to work we were not there was none of the standard like oh we've got to go out and get the stuff for dinner we've got to cook dinner we've got to you know all this standard stuff that means that you're stressed or you're just planning things rather than spending time with your kids that was all gone it was, it was good. It was lovely, actually. And we got to know them so much more. So now, after that two weeks was over, what did you have to do to continue to foster that in your daughter when you got into some other semblance of a new normal? Yeah, we have definitely tried to keep it going as much as we can. They have to do a bit of childcare after school. So some days I have to work a bit later, but I've definitely made the effort to pick them up earlier many days and go and do something interesting with them and 
And actually, more recently, we've we've let Daphne take over a bit of the planning again. So she now plans our meals for the week. <laughs> so she actually, so we, we've used some of her planning skills. She's the one that puts together the schedule and she gets a bit of input from us. So we don't just get, you know, beans on toast and marshmallows for dinner every single day, <laughs> but she happily organizes it and keeps that going. And that's something really nice, actually. She enjoys doing that. And it's, it's, it's good for us because we know what to do. When we get home, we make our list around that and, and it involves her and gives her some power, which is great. So yeah, we're definitely trying to do that much more. And there's something around as well that few weeks where we were all together and we spent all that time together. But there's something now around we try and do more time separately. So um, we do a lot of play dates and just actually I'll spend a couple of hours with my daughter, just me and her, because her brother's off playing with his friends or something like that. And that's definitely something we're trying to do a lot more right now. So talk to me now about the event there for a while. We've gotten through a larger portion of the pandemic and maybe there's light on the at the end of the tunnel in the sense of like you said, you know, there mm-hmm. there's going to be a point in time where you're going to be leaving the country. So how has this experience been on the kids and what have you seen through their eyes as yeah. this experience opened up for them and especially as they start to look at hey we're going to be going back home they've had a great time actually it's quite a different culture especially with school i don't know about where you live chris but where we are in scotland obviously everyone knows scotland the weather's not the best it's quite rainy and gray quite often so there's definitely quite an indoor culture in scotland in many ways like me my family we're quite outdoorsy anyway so we'll get out with our raincoats on and just do whatever despite the weather quite often but with school it's very much indoors i never realized this until we came to australia but every school in australia has an enormous playground with so much outdoor space and in them um, like play centers and climbing frames and all that kind of stuff you just don't really get that so much in scotland probably because you're not outdoors as much because of the weather potentially um so there was definitely something around that the kids the kids love that they're outdoors all the time they settled in really well because they were just outdoor they were just out playing in the climbing frames with their friends and we're definitely going to miss that there's even a creek running through their playground in the school they're in just now which you just wouldn't get in scotland so on the other hand though they are definitely missing it they're missing their family a lot so they're starting to really look forward to seeing their grannies and grandpas again and plan towards that. So, and in fact, my son had a bit of a breakdown the other night because he was just thinking it's too late. Like he's really looking forward to seeing his granny and his grandpa, but he suddenly realized it was two months. Like he was looking forward to it thinking it's going to be soon, but actually it's not, it's eight weeks away still. So it's difficult that trying to manage those expectations because I get like that too. So they've loved it for sure, but they're definitely looking forward to going home as well. Well, you shouldn't have as much of a problem getting back as as much as much of a problem as you had getting there because the flights are started again and you should, and, and that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Getting into Australia is really difficult right now. They let anyone into the UK. They don't really care about there. So it's all good. <laughs> they're not picky. So as you look at the experience that you've had there and being able to kind of open the world to your kids, as you go home, that world's going to become a little bit more insular, even though their minds have been expanded, their worldview has been expanded. How do you continue to allow for them to think on that global scale now that they're going to be back in the world that they had been growing up in? outside of the last year? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's something I've thought about as well, because they have, they they love that we've got a big map up in our kitchen now, and they love looking at it and looking at where they are just now and looking at where home is and and starting to look at elsewhere as well. Like my son's really into flags. (laughs) He loves looking at the flags for the different countries and stuff like that. So, I mean, my wife and I are both 
pretty big travelers. Like we love to go and see different new places and we've never been ones to go back to the same place every year. So our plan this year, like originally before the pandemic, our plan for this year had been to try and visit quite a lot of places close to Australia that we wouldn't have gone to very easily otherwise, like Southeast Asia and uh, China and Japan and some of the islands in the Pacific, you know, the kind of place you would never fly to normally, certainly from the UK. But obviously none of that happened. So our plan over the next few years is we've saved a fair bit of money this year because we've not been able to travel in Australia. So our plan over the next few years is to allocate some of that towards going and seeing those places that we'd plan to. We really want to go and show um, I've been to Japan once before and I absolutely love the country there. And I'd love to take the kids there and show them all the culture because it's one of those places that's so obviously different, especially the historical side of it. So definitely a lot of that. But I know there's lots of smaller things I think we need to do as well. One thing I'm worried about, actually, is we're moving to kind of the highlands of Scotland and it's definitely so much less multicultural, so much less diverse than here or even where we used to live in Scotland. So I want to make sure we're trying to still take the kids to the cities to go and visit their grandparents in England and stuff and just making sure they keep their mind open. And yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure exactly. We need to think about ways that we can really do that, even just day to day in our lives. Now you talk about fears and, and I think every father has fears. I mean, whether it's a son or a daughter, but I think dads with daughters definitely have fears. And I think some of that goes back to that sense of the unknown, but but also knowing boys, knowing men in that extent too. But as you look at the future for Daphne, your daughter, and you think about that for yourself, what is your biggest fear in raising a daughter today? My biggest fear actually is that she's too much like me. <laughs> the fights that we have, like I like I said, my, my son's really easygoing and, and there's, there's definite downsides to that. But the upside is that I very rarely have any trouble with them whatsoever. We get on really well. We like a lot of the same things. Um, but his personality is a wee bit different. Daphne, however, is a lot more like me. Even though she's only six, I can see she's quite, like I said, she's quite driven. She'll go do stuff. She'll never just sit still. And she's always planning things to do. And she's always building things. And I can see a lot of my personality in her. But on the negative side, I think it's probably part of being quite driven and quite plan-based and quite forward-thinking like that, that she's also really stubborn, <laughs> just like me. I find it very hard to admit when I'm wrong. And I work on that. I'm aware of that issue, but I still find it very hard. And I can see that in her as well. So the arguments that we have are much more frequent because she'll do something wrong because she's six. They always do. And you'll bring it up and try and work around it. But she'll sometimes just resort to lying about it because she's she hates admitting that she's wrong or not acknowledging it. And my fear is that I just end up not having a great relationship with her because of that, because both of us are stubborn in so many ways. And both of us find it hard to compromise and admit when we might be wrong. So you can probably tell that Colin is a storyteller and I can talk to him like crazy here. And I've really enjoyed this conversation about fatherhood in that regard. But I would be remiss to say that Colin is also a podcaster. I mentioned earlier, we met at a podcasting conference and he has a great new academy to allow for people like me or people brand new to podcasting that want to learn the craft of podcasting called the Podcast Host Academy. And actually, I'm a member, been taking some of the classes and very, very easy to follow. Um, Colin walks you through step by step. And I went back to the beginning. I decided I would jump right back in and see what you're saying to the people that are first starting 
because I know that when I first started, I kind of just jumped in with both feet and learned as I went along. But what made you decide to start this academy? Thanks for being a member, by the way, Chris. That's, yeah, I appreciate that so much. A big part of it was just I started, I got into podcasting about, what is it now, 12 years ago now. And I just loved it. I fell in love with the medium and I just started writing about it. I just started writing about what I found out around podcasting, things, microphones that I use, software that I use, techniques that I'd found out. And I just enjoyed it. It was a hobby. But people started reading it and the traffic grew and more and more people started reading it and people start getting in touch and just asking lots of questions. And I was an educator. So my background is in higher education. I used to teach at university. So it just kind of came naturally that I started organizing it into courses and started offering coaching. And that's really how it came about. It was just a kind of natural extension of the free content that we were creating, I guess, going deeper, offering a bit more guidance, more tasks and homework. (laughs) So yeah, I think that's how it came about. So if someone decides that they wanted to join this, I mentioned what I found, but what what is your hope when someone decides to to join the Podcast Host Academy? What are you hoping that they take away from the experience? Yeah, I mean, what I hope people take away is it's all about the message. It's just making it as easy as possible for people to get their message out out there into the world. Like, it's, it's so exciting when people come to us and they've got these ideas for podcasts and they just want to help change people's lives. They want to improve people's lives, just like you do with this show. Like You want to put content out there that helps dads connect with their daughters, to have a better family life, to just figure out ways to be better dads. And we get that all the time. And so my aim with the Academy, with our software Alitude, with all the things that we do, is to make it easier for people to create podcasts so that they can get that message out, that information out, and really help sort of proliferate that and help, you know, so many lives be changed and improved as a result. The Academy is definitely very user-friendly. And I will tell any of you that are thinking that as you listen to these interviews that, that I do on a weekly basis, if this sounds like something that you want to do yourself, that you have a message or a story that you want to share, or you have an audience that you want to talk to, having someone in your camp that can help you to be able to not make the same mistakes that some of us make along the way that it, it makes a big difference. So, so definitely check out this. And now if people want to find out more about the Academy, uh, where, where should they go? They can find it over at thepodcasthost.com forward slash Academy. Um, and if anyone's thinking about starting a show, we've got a huge guide for entirely for free that takes you through it. It's just over at thepodcasthost.com forward slash start. Now, Colin, I always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five questions to delve even deeper into you as a father. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. In one word, what is fatherhood? <laughs> it is difficult. It can be. It can be difficult. Yes, it can be, especially as the years go on. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, when was a time that you felt like you finally succeeded at being a father to a daughter? I think going back to that story, it was when when I saw Daphne helping us in return, helping us direct things, helping us, giving us advice and really giving us confidence back. It was that moment. Now, if I was to ask your kids... How would they describe you as a dad? I think they would describe me as the crazy fun parent, but who can be too strict sometimes because <laughs> I, I swing from one to the other too much. <laughs> who inspires you to be a better dad? It's got to be my wife. She's really different from me. She's super patient. She's entirely giving. She's totally not stubborn in any way, always willing to be generous and change her mind based on what's going on. So I just try and emulate her as much as I can because she has 
so many of the positive qualities that I don't. Now, you've given a lot of different advice today, but what would you say is one piece of advice that you would want to leave the dads that are listening with? The thing that I try and remember most often is that when they're young, it's so easy. I And I often fall into this trap of thinking that they're deliberately trying to annoy me or deliberately trying to be bad or deliberately trying to do something against my wishes. <laughs> and I always have to remind myself that they're just not that, it's almost they're not that smart. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a kind way to say it, but you know, they're, they're not that devious. That's a better way to say it. And so I try and remind myself that nearly everything that annoys me about what they do, it's not deliberate, it's just them being kids and to be patient, much more patient. And that's something that I try and do much more. You definitely have to do that. I think every father has to do that. They have to find that that inner zen for themselves and walk that line every day and just kind of be present and hold on for the ride. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> If people want to find out more about you, I know you gave the, the web address for the Academy, but you can, we can do that again too. But if people want to find out more about you, what you're doing, the Academy, you know, all this stuff about Colin Gray, where is the best place for them to go? I don't have much of a personal space online anywhere, actually. I don't do a lot of social media, I will admit. I'm, I'm on Twitter, certainly. I answer um, stuff at the podcast host. So if you go over there, you'll see stuff that we put out on work, but I'm kind of answering there too. That's probably the best place. But yeah, it's all on thepodcasthost.com. And I've got an about page on there if anyone is really interested in my background, but it's, that's boring. Just go and look at the podcast and stuff. <laughs> well, Colin, it's been a pleasure talking to you today and hearing about this amazing journey over the last year. And I wish you the best as you transition back to Scotland. And I appreciate you sharing your story today. Thank you. No, I appreciate you having me on. It was uh, great to catch up. Cheers. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals we buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best Dad, you can be. Be the best dad you can be.